0: Hi, welcome to episode 10 of the Not That Mommy podcast. Sorry I left you all in a little bit of a hiatus, but if you all have been listening, I was getting pretty close to my due date, and if anyone has been pregnant before, you know that towards the last few weeks, you just get exhausted, and you're trying to maximize your energy reserves to nest and be mentally and physically prepared as you possibly can be to bring a new life into this world. Um, there's a couple of things I definitely wanted to chat about on this episode, um, and really kind of reinforce the message of Not That Mommy, because as you all are most, most aware, um, the reason that I started this, uh, Not That Mommy was obviously to bring voice and bring more light to those who are suffering with infertility, um, and have gone through losses, whether they be miscarriages, ectopic pregnancies, any way that you lose a child or lose a pregnancy, and also those who are struggling to get pregnant and want to be mommies and figuring out the best ways to do that. And on the other hand, also the best way to parent, that's been a lesser um, focus of mine as as we've been focusing on other pieces. But really the not that mommy, um, moniker idea came to me when I was having a conversation, maybe three years ago at a friend's, a child friend's birthday party. And, um, it was a, a single woman who, with no kids, who was talking to me about my son at the time, Donovan, who was two. And I said, you know, I'm not that mommy. I'm not the mommy that's going to be making beautiful um, meals for my child and posting on Instagram. I'm not the mommy that has all the answers about anything. Um, I'm the mommy that probably does things a little bit differently and understands that each child is different just as each person is different and is unique. And although there are those who are coming from the best of intentions, um, their advice is not always helpful. Uh, additionally, um, the other part is there's a lot of mommy shaming. And from the moment that you give birth, actually, I would even say from the moment you find out you're pregnant, it's, are you exercising? What are you eating? What are you doing? And all of these things don't take into account that each pregnancy is also very different. Um, with my first son, it was a very easy pregnancy. I had zero complications And that would have been a great time (laughs) to work out and eat healthy. I did none of those things because I was just enjoying being pregnant and eating what I wanted to eat. Well, I paid for that and and (laughs) and eventually lost the weight, but you know, it's kind of funny looking back on it. Um with my son that I just had, Hendrix, um, it was a very stressful and hard pregnancy. I was told um at eight weeks that I needed to scale down my exercise. So I, at the time before I found out I was pregnant, was running three to four times a week, a couple miles. Um, I was doing, the other days I was doing yoga and I was doing um, a lot of, you know, strength training. I was eating really clean. And then um, my stress relief was my exercise. So I was going through this really stressful pregnancy And I was told, okay, you can walk, but you can't, you can't run, but you can walk. And so I started three and a half miles. And then I was feeling some pains. My doctor's like, I need you to scale it down to two, um, and only go four times a week. So I did that. And then I was starting to get really short of breath and she scaled me down to one, three times a week. So my exercise really did slow down and, and that was stressful. Um, and then, on top of that, towards last trimester, I was completely forbidden from exercising at all just because I had placenta previa and they were really nervous about that. So, you know, when you hear people talking about mommy shaming and, and really saying, oh, you should exercise, you should get out there, you should move, you should do this. Yes, in the best of best of worlds and best case scenarios, you should. But not everyone's pregnancy is easy or simple. And sometimes they have to go through things Um, whether it be a reduction in your exercise or whether it be bed rest or hospitalization. So keep that in mind. Um, The other thing is the birth plan. I've had a lot of friends and acquaintances be married to a birth plan. Yes, it's great to have a birth plan and idea and discuss with your doctor, your doula, your midwife, whoever it is, about how you would like your birth to look. But understand that Having a child is not like delivering a PowerPoint presentation. It is going to be um, at times challenging and much more than you thought in terms of pain or um length of birth if you're delivering naturally. And then sometimes situations come out of your control where you cannot deliver naturally. Um, you know, emergency c-sections pop up all the time, so just be mentally prepared that. Something like that may happen, um and even with a plan C section, which was the case in my case because of um previous surgeries that uh, did not allow me for me to do a natural childbirth um even though you have a date and you think that's what's gonna happen, and you kind of understand with my first son, um we had a date the day before um the actual Plan C section. I went in to get my routine blood work and tests um and that was supposed to take max an hour. Um, they ended up keeping me for four because I had minor contractions. So my plan C-section son, who was supposed to be delivered at 38 weeks, almost came at 37, 37 weeks and seven and six days. So there's that. Um, and then with my son now, um, this was a challenging birth and this is where, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about this and quite honestly, it's taken me, he was born on May 21st and it's taken me this long to really speak about it publicly. I've, I've told a few people, but, um, it's really not, I don't believe in our DNA as people to really think about mortality and think about things that, um, are difficult if you don't have to. I mean, obviously, people have wills and people have challenges, but we don't like to dwell on things going wrong and catastrophically wrong, um, although we prepare for them. And um, throughout this pregnancy, I've been fighting for my son's life because at lots of different stages, it was a challenge. And I apologize if I'm getting emotional, but it's still really hard to think about this pregnancy and think about the birth and, and not understand the character of my son who I already knew was a fighter. Um, but he continues to prove it and continue to prove it through birth. But anyways, without sort of getting all emotional about it, let me talk about what happened from a clinical perspective. Um, So, with my birth, um, with my son's birth, um, I may have mentioned to some of you um, that I had placenta previa, which is when the placenta is low-lying and covers the cervix. It's usually not that much of a problem. If you're going to have a C-section, that's the only real issue. If it gets really bad, they'll put you on bed rest the last few weeks. Um... And because of my high-risk pregnancy, they had me going to um, the specialist, a, a perinatologist, which is not my OBGYN, it's a specialist, to do ultrasounds. Um, I think with this pregnancy, God, I must have had 15, somewhere between 10 and 15 ultrasounds. So they looked at me a lot. And um, the week before the birth, I had gone in for an ultrasound. Um, the The perinatologist said that the the placenta previa had resolved itself, and um, the only concern was that when they did the C-section, they just had to be a little bit more careful because although the placenta, which is typically at the top of your uterus, was, was not at the top, it was not covering my cervix, so that was a concern anyways, we go into the surgery. Um, my, uh, C-section was scheduled for first thing in the morning on Friday. So 730 in the morning, um, they wheel me in, um, to the surgery. Um, anyone who's had a C-section before seen it on TV, you know, they have the, the curtains you can't see. No one wants to be able to see your own insides being pulled out and they're just your significant other. So thankfully for that, you're, awake but you're high as a kite I mean so high you don't even you can hear things you can feel pressure but you don't feel a thing you're just like okay and ironically enough I was so tired because I didn't sleep the night before very well anxiety and all that so I was actually falling asleep um after they gave me the anesthesia uh and my husband came in after you know they kind of gave me the anesthesia and he's like I mean, is she awake? And they're like, yeah, she's awake. She's just kind of asleep. So anyways, uh, they start the procedure. They pull Hendrix out maybe 10, 15 minutes. He's out quick like that. I hear th- I hear him crying. And that was my main concern, right? Like, I just want him to be okay. I hear him crying, which makes me cry. It makes my husband cry. They're checking him out. And Although I'm pretty doped up, I do hear my doctor, who has um, an assistant with her, and obviously all and a nurse and some other people in there, obvious and um, anesthesiologist say very calmly to um, one of the nurses, ask for another doctor, and she said, "Can you get doctor so and so? We're going to need an extra pair of hands." Um, it didn't really register because, like I said, you're kind of out of it, and um, they bring that doctor in and and I hear him say oh wow I've never seen this before so I hear that but you know not really lucid kind of going in and out so with the baby they take my husband out of the the operating room he goes with the baby for them to do all the checks and everything with the baby apparently I'm in the ER for another hour um what they found was that I had placenta procreta, which is not something, or they call placenta accreta, depending on um, the severity of it. And what that is, is the placenta atta- attaches itself very deeply to the uterus wall. Um, and what that means in a birth or a C-section is when you deliver the baby, you're supposed to deliver the placenta and it's just supposed to come out cleanly. Mine was attached to my uterus. So, placenta creta is when it's deeply attached to the uterus. Placenta increta is when it's attached, like into the muscle of the uterus. And placenta percreta, which is what I had, was when it was attached super deep into the placenta and it's growing through the uterus. I'm sorry, it's the placenta is attached very deeply to the uterus and it's growing through the uterus and now it's starting to encroach on other organs like my bladder. So what my doctor had to do was to literally go section by section to try and detach my placenta from my uterus. And you're probably wondering like, why is this necessary? Why is this so important? So what was explained to me by my doctor is that the placenta, obviously there's no use for it anymore once the baby's born one of the characteristics of the placenta is it will keep growing. She described it almost as if it was a cancer. And as a cancer, we know multiplies and continues to grow and infect other areas of the body. And that's how the placenta is. It will continue to grow and infect other areas of the body, i.e. my bladder. So you have to, quote unquote, kill it off once the baby is born. So she was removing the placenta bit by bit which is what you know they I was in the ER for an extra hour um due to them having to do this I lost 2 liters of blood so I had to get a blood transfusion um and a bunch of fluids pumped into me and um that was in the ER so they get it detached. Um, they take me back to um, the triage room where my husband is and, and Hendrix is. And my doctor says, um, I'm pretty sure I got most of it, but I'm going to be honest, that's not enough for me. Um, w- this is a very dangerous condition because if it doesn't separate, you know, the bleeding can continue. And we've got to stop that. Um, so what she prescribed was, um, a uterine artery embolization, which is something that is typically done, um, to remove fibroids. Um, it's, it's an alternative to hysterectomy. So there's only two options in this situation. It was either this uterine artery embolization or, um, hysterectomy. She really didn't want me to do a hysterectomy, not because I didn't want it. Um, more kids. We're done. <laughs> we weren't. We weren't gonna have any more kids. But it's that's another huge major surgery. Considering I just got out of having a C-section. Um, and what they do is it's with this embolization, this UAE they call it. Um, it's it's done with a specialist radiologist, and they um, send these particles into uh, your artery near your uterus, up through the groin. To basically kill off the blood supply and um, kill off any growth to fibroids, but in this case, it was going to kill off any growth of the um, of the placenta. Um, and so it was it was a, an additional procedure um, because I was still uh, under anesthesia from the C-section. My husband had to do power of attorney and sign for the surgery for me because they had to put me under general anesthesia to do that. So they immediately i got told my son for fifteen minutes, and then they sent me down to um the specialist radiology department and sent and and my husband signed all these forms and the anesthesiologist down there came to me and said, um, we are going to take you to the the um operating room again because." We're pretty sure this will work, but if for some reason this does not kill off the placenta, we will have to do a hysterectomy on you. You know, in a moment of all of this, there's not a whole lot of thinking. There's not a whole lot of rumination of what's going on. You're just trying to say, whatever you got to do to save my life so I can be there for my kids, we're going with. And also, you're really high. (laughs) So these decisions are very complex. Um, you know, I, I don't really remember a whole lot after that. Cause once again, I'm super high and, um, it was really hard cause my husband couldn't be with me cause he had to be with the baby. So he signed the papers and had to go back up to Hendrix and they take me to the OR. Thankfully, um, they do the UAE. Everything looks great, but You have to be observed for four hours. Um, So I wake up from anesthesia um, and I have a full leg cast on. I mean, when I tell you this, this whole day was just wild. I have a full leg cast on as if I had had some sort of like, you know, knee surgery or something. And she's like, you can't move your leg. And I was like, what happened here? Why do I have a leg cast on? I went in for a UAE. And she said, because we had to go through your groin, your leg has to be immobilized so that, you know, there's no more, so you don't lose any blood. Like we have to keep you this way for four hours still and not moving. So just stay here and just rest. That's the, that's the best thing for you. Um, and we'll be monitoring you. Um, and thank God for the staff at um, the hospital, Um, Wellington Regional, where I had Hendrix, The nurses, the anesthesiologists, the doctors. I can't say enough about them. It was a crazy situation, and everyone was on it. Everyone took care of me. Um, Everyone checked in on me, Um, and... um, it was, it was incredible. Um, after four hours, they, they took me back up to, um, to the birthing um, with the suite where I was, I, I was going to be for the next three days. Obviously after all of these procedures and all these surgeries and, and things that happened, I was in the hospital for three nights, um, but I got to see my son. I was in a lot of pain and I was on a lot of medication, but seeing him and getting to hold him and do a little bit of skin to skin was everything. Um, the other thing that I I'll mention is that um, the killing of the, of the placenta. So this placenta percreta um, is a three-step process in my doctor's world, my OBGYNs world. So removing it, Obviously, surgically after the birth of my son, then doing this UAE um, protocol, which some people would have opted for hysterectomy. Some people may not have opted to do anything at all. Um, they might have felt like the surgery was enough. And then my doctor went a third step, which was um, prescribing um, methotrexane. And I might be pronouncing that wrong. My apologies but it is a cancer drug. And so you all are probably like, what in the world is she prescribing a cancer drug for? But if you remember me mentioning that the placenta is very similar to cancer and that it spreads if it's not killed off. So she, this was the last step. She said, let's give you this methotrexane. And it was one dose um, just to make sure that the cells don't reproduce and this placenta doesn't continue to grow. We did the UAE, we removed it, but this is the final step to just make sure it's completely gone and there are no more problems. Um, the challenge with that is because it's such a strong drug, I can't, I can breastfeed for a week. Um, and, this is kind of the reason in the lead up to mommy shaming and birth plans and why I was talking about this initially. I exclusively breastfed my son. I was pretty rabid about breastfeeding my my first son. Um, I actually didn't even introduce him to a bottle for the first month and it was extremely stressful. My mom and my husband saw how emotional, how hard it was. He didn't latch. He lost about a over 10% of his body weight because of the fact that he wasn't latching properly, wasn't getting enough food, yada, yada, yada. And then at nine months when I literally didn't have a supply anymore because I had had the flu and then I had a terrible bout of norovirus and my body was just trying to recover, he switched into formula and that was really traumatic for me. I don't think he really cared so much, but for me, it felt like I was failing with Hendrix, I didn't have a choice. I literally didn't have a choice. I went through this hard process to bring him to life and they had to give me this medicine to make sure, they had to have these extra procedures to keep me alive. And that's when I let it go. I said, there's not anything I can do in terms of breastfeeding and all this. I just have to, as a mom, I realized I literally just have to be there for him. He's not going to care if he was breastfed. He's not going to care about any of this. He's just going to care that his mom is here. And I have another one at home. So I let go of all of those feelings about being inadequate or not being able to feed him. Breastfeed him the way that I wanted to. And we gave him formula. And guess what? He's totally fine. Um, And... It was also a really cool experience for my husband because with our first son, he felt very out of the loop because for a month, he hadn't he didn't do anything with the feeding because I was exclusively breastfeeding. And then even then, he, I wasn't pumping that much. So he was really kind of out of the loop with the feedings. And um, because I was so out of it and I wasn't, I was having that UAE, my husband had sort of gotten the hold of the, the feedings with the formula and was really into it and just was so excited to take over the feedings with Hendrix, And so it was a new experience. So um, I was finally able to breastfeed um, this past Friday and it was amazing. He latched right away. It was perfect. But we also made the decision that we're going to do a hybrid um, formula is done really well for him. He uh, only lost 0.2 ounces the second day. And as I said, most babies lose about 10% of their body weight. And he's gained before we left the hospital, he was right back up at his body weight. Um, We went to the doctor, the pediatrician, and he was over his body. He had gained a couple of ounces. Um, And so now we think he's probably even gained some more. So, you know, Health-wise, it's doing wonders for him. We're doing breastfeeding during the day, and we're doing formula at night so he gets good long sleeps, which he does. And so, you know, I really wanted to talk about the birth plan and, and my and my birthing experience. And I was a little hesitant to really talk about it because I didn't want to scare anybody. I had a couple friends who were pregnant and a couple friends who were about to deliver But I also felt like it was necessary to tell you that things don't always go your way and go the way you think. But I also think it's helpful to understand um, why it's so very, very important to have an OBGYN that you choose and you trust explicitly. The decisions that my doctor made inevitably saved my life. And she told my husband um, when I was down in UAE, and she was very upset um, because she said on the ultrasound on 37 weeks, this should have been something they caught. But if this hadn't been caught and I had started bleeding, um, there was a 25% chance that I would not have made it or Hendrix that's how serious, um, placenta for is, is that if I had had any sort of bleeding at all, there was a very good chance that I would not be here, nor, nor my son. And, um, just a couple of quick statistics. Uh, it happens in one in 530 births each year. Uh, it's, diagnosed through the ultrasound, so it's vastly important that a doctor be able to to figure that out. Um, and here are your risk factors. Previous C-section, yes, I had that. Fibroid removal, yes, I had that. Placenta previa, yes, I had that. And I am over 35. So unfortunately, I was a very prime candidate for having this condition. So it should have been a little bit more of a red flag, but it did not pop up but I am so thankful that I had an OBGYN who knew how to handle it and was grace under fire and made all the right decisions. Um, I've had two follow up visits and, uh, the way that they are able to know that the placenta is gone or is, um, you know, essentially killed off. I keep using that word. I'm sure doctors, that's not the appropriate medical term, but, um, the way that they know is they they uh, measure my hCG levels through blood work, so my hCG levels are dropping, which is what you like to see, and then blood, um, not having a lot of bleeding, um, and not around the scission. I mean, like after you have to give birth, whether you give birth vaginally or through C section, you bleed into a pad, um, and so they're measuring that as well. Um, the pain was pretty excruciating. I would be lying if I say that the pain wasn't pretty debilitating for about 10 days. Um, They had me on a lot of pain meds um, and days were pretty horrible. And I consider myself someone who can handle pain, pretty high tolerance for it, um, but it was pretty bad. And so I'm not gonna lie, it was not a walk in the park, but I'm here, I have my beautiful son. We're now a family of four. Um, and I would do it all again to, to have the opportunity to have this boy. So, um, you know, let me know, leave some comments, let me know, if, you know, what kind of questions you guys have on this. Um, I wanted to make sure that I shared this with you and I definitely will have more content coming. I just needed a few a week or so to kind of wrap my, wrap my mind around the whole situation and we'll talk some more about uh, birth plans and mommy shaming and understanding how to parent as an individual. Um, but I thank you all for, for tuning in and I appreciate all of you who have checked on me and see how I'm doing physically and mentally and emotionally.